God has really spoken to me a lot about faith and resilience and how we, we, we are able to endure things and persevere in the rest in order to inherit the promises of God. Yes. And I've been really particularly struck, uh, struck by verses in Hebrew 11, 12, you know, uh, when you, you know the picture where it says there's a cloud of witnesses, you know, cheering you on, you know, in the race. And basically people from the past in the Bible, like Abraham, Sarah, you know, all sorts of people, Enoch, Joseph, there's like lots of names. Uh, you know, their, their testimonies is really spurring us on. Yes? And they are really like in the cloud and cheering the songs. They come on, yes, get on, carry on, carry on. And I think in the same ways, you know, we can look at the bibliography of men and women for more recent period of time and learn something from them and be really inspired by their faith. So this morning, that's what I want to do. I want to look at Catherine Booth and how, you know, uh, the way she lived a life can really inspire us and we can really uh, imitate her faith. So why did I choose that? I think, you know, it's Mother's Day, obviously, so it was right to choose a woman. But I think, actually, this could be relevant to anyone. So if you're a man today, that's fine. You can learn from a woman's life. (laughs) It's all right. And, you know, and... Of course, we want to celebrate the moms uh, who have kids because, honestly, this is the hardest job you can ever have. Mm-hmm. That's true. But, you know, if you're a woman, you might be like a spiritual mom. And it's, it's, it's important as well. Like in your, in your workplace, uh, in businesses, in your career, in the church. If you nurture, if you disciple, if you love this is a mothering role, okay? So we want to celebrate, really, women in general that do that, you know? Nurture, you know, etc. So don't feel excluded today, okay? Because we, we are called, all women are called to be great mothers, okay? Great mothers in the faith. And actually, Catherine Booth, uh, you know, she was the co-founder of, of the, the Salvation Army along with her husband, William Booth. And she was known as the mother of the Salvation Army. So she was a mother in the physical, but she was a mother as well in the spiritual, in what she birthed by faith. Yes? Um, and together with William, really, uh, their passion was to bring the gospel to the poor. That was their main burden. And uh, William was an evangelist. Uh, but they were really set in the backdrop of the Industrial Revolution. And if you know a little bit about this, this period of history, there was many changes that were brought by the Industrial Revolution. One of them was many people who used to live in very small rural places were brought to the city to work in factories, which basically provoked a huge movement of urbanization with problem of <coughs> housing, but really a huge crisis like sanitation, lack of hygiene, illnesses. Uh, actually, at one point, even the, the, the living standard dropped. Uh, so all these people who were ke- coming to work to the city had uh, wages that were really small, a struggle to eat food. It was, there was a struggle to even bring food to the city. It was quite a crisis. And another... Um, 
problem as well with all these changes and this poverty is alcoholism was really rampant. So it was on this backdrop that William and Catherine wanted to bring the gospel to the people. Amen. Okay, very, very serious problem of uh, poverty. Now, if you want to know about Catherine uh, in really more detail, I know that Roger Green and her own grand granddaughter, Catherine Booth, as same name, has written one of so so you, you you can have a look at that. But I particularly looked at um, a bibliography was written by Robert Liarden in God's General. So if you have, you have this book, it's great to go and, and refresh. They will say a lot more than I could even pack this morning. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Catherine. So Catherine Boots, she was born um, Catherine Mumford in Devonshire in 1829. And actually she was born in a Christian family. Uh, her dad was a carriage maker. But occasionally he was preaching in the, in the local Methodist uh, chapel. And her mom was really a devout believer. Actually, she taught all her children to read from the Bible. <coughs> so there is an account of Catherine being able to read from the Bible at age three. <laughs> Shame on her. On, on <laughs> she managed to do it. Okay. So now, the first thing to know about Catherine is that throughout a um, life, she absolutely struggled with very tough circumstances, and one of which was her health. Okay, she was actually born with quite fragile, and she was quite a sickly child, and she was not able to attend school for most of her uh, young young age. Uh, at one point, her parents actually moved to the seaside, hoping that it would help her breathing. Because she, she regularly struggled with breathing, she was fainting, she was really of, of poor health. She managed to have two solid years of school from the age of 12 to 14. And age 14, she was diagnosed with a severe curvature of the spine, which meant that she had to lay flat in the bed for a strict three months. No moving. Okay. Uh, throughout her life, she felt a numerous amount. You know, they would do something, she would be tired, felt, uh, you know, really feeling ill regularly. She had tuberculosis at one point, and I really don't understand how she managed to have eight kids. Uh, this is something I really don't understand. But she actually had eight children, you know, three boys and five girls. There is a sweet account of the first time uh, Catherine and William uh, met. Uh, actually, they, they, they met as, as, as a, at a normal meeting at church. And the account is that Catherine felt so ill that she had to leave in the middle of the meeting. And William, very kindly, there was nothing between them at that point. But I think maybe there was a plan. He offered to, brought, to, to bring her home, basically. So, so it, you know, she was very regularly not well. And actually, that's sadly the way she died as well, because in 19, uh, I'm sorry, in 1888, yes, that's right, uh, she contracted breast cancer, and she could not have surgery because her heart was considered as too weak. So she basically did a minimum then, help William to finish his book, the, the famous book, The Darkest England and the Way Out, which is really like almost the manuscript for, for the Salvation Ar uh, Army. And two years later, she died, sadly, in 1890. She was only 61. And, but her husband outlived her for t another 20 years. 
Okay? So, well, this, this means that it was quite tough for Catherine, you know, in terms of her health. And I would say that in those difficult circumstances, or maybe because of it, hold on, I'm not saying that it was God's will Catherine was ill. Yeah? So don't hear that. I don't believe that at all. But I think because of this poor health, it meant that she was homebound. And actually, she, she tried to, do the, to, to make the most out of her circumstances. And the word of God became really the bedrock of everything she believed and she did. Hallelujah. Everything. And it turned out to be so important for her. It was like God <laughs> prepared her in this time and redeemed redeemed what, what was... You know, you could look at her life and say, whoa, what a waste of childhood. Always there at home. No, God redeemed that. He redeemed that for good, yeah? And Catherine developed a love for reading the Bible. She would read, a mom said she would read abundantly. She was said to have read the Bible from cover to cover out loud at least eight times by the age of 12. <laughs> I mean, that is quite incredible, isn't it? And she became really a prolific writer. Actually, she wrote a lot more than her husband, although it's not very well known. And she was thought to be really the theologian of their household. She had really a deep, deep, deep understanding of the Bible, and she really knew her Bible. Okay? So, the backdrop of what I'm talking here is really tough circumstances for Catherine. You know, and I do believe that right from ch childhood she had to learn to be resilient, and she, I'm sure she developed, you know, a thankful heart because it looks like she was able to make the most and the best out of her circumstances. Okay. Now, I haven't even mentioned like all the tough thing in their life, like for example, William and Catherine, as they were serving God, they moved numerous times. They hardly had any money. They had to cope with eight kids. She had to raise up the kids. Sometimes William would go away for ministry and she would be by herself raising up these eight kids, not being very well. So yeah, we can't go in the detail, but it was not easy. Now secondly, uh, I think if we look at uh, Catherine's personality, there is really a complex picture of her personality. She was actually very, very shy and very reserved, and she, people said she was quite an unassuming. No, you would say unassuming. 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 Right. Well, I can't pronounce it, but you understood it. <laughs> so that's the great thing. You have an automatic translator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but although she was quite shy and reserved, she was incredibly brave, and she had such a passion and such a heart for the poor. And the poor and even the weak, you know, it was just people who struggled in life. She felt really compassion for them. And this compassion for the poor, we could see that, that she caught that from childhood. She really caught up from, that from childhood. She basically, um, she believed that everyone was loved by God. That was a foundation of our faith. That everyone was loved by God, even how deprived they might look like or their life might look like. God loved them. And she was so passionate about that. Interest interestingly, when she met her husband, so she was around 22 when she met William, 
they were really a match made in heaven because they both had been like excluded from our, our church movement. And one of the reasons was they cared a little bit too much about the poor. So William was insisting that the poor would be welcome and sit, you know, amongst the congregation and congregation and really basically that was not really something that was done at the time. So right away we could see this compassion for the poor was there and you had really growth. Another thing that I found is she had um, an extreme confidence in her beliefs about God. She was confident in her belief. She would not waver. She knew who God was and she was confident. And she would not have like a, a huge fear of man. Yes? So, uh, for example, age 14, I mean it blows me away when I read at what age she was. Because she knew her Bible, she had worked out that many theologians would disagree on different points of the Bible. Okay? And she said, I, for myself, I will pursue the word of God and the truth. Okay? And she came to the conclusion that God was always good and he wanted to do man good. Okay? So she, you can't say she resolved to reject any theory about God and religion that did not present God as a good God and benevolent to man. Whoa. She said it contradicts my own experience of the Holy Spirit and God, and it contradicts what I'm reading in the Bible, so I'm not having it. That was a position, 14-year-old. I mean, like, okay. She was a forerunner because she realized that God, you know, although God doesn't love sin, he loves the sinner. And that was quite a new thing, to really think that man was worth, you know, man was worth saving. Humanity was worth saving. Uh, another thing is, although she was really shy and timid, she was not afraid to make a stand, sometimes against uh, all the uh, fellow Christians. Okay? So there was an account, or a little bit later in her uh, in life, age 30, when um, actually uh, a, um, a, a woman named Phoebe Palmer, who was an American, started to preach the gospel, and she received a lot of backlash from the Christian world. And uh, Catherine wrote a pamphlet to, def to defend her, okay? And that was very, very brave. And she said, she wrote in an account of, uh, of this whole thing about women who serve God. She said, um, actually, I'm going to read it. She defended that the position uh, that women, I'm really going to do that again, sorry. She defended the position that women were not naturally and morally inferior to men, that they could be anointed by the Holy Spirit, and therefore they were suitable for ministry. Mm -hmm. And again, it was a new thing, because there was a lot of movement at that time who believed that because of the fall, women were weak, and they were morally inferior to men. And she said, no, 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 that's not what the Bible said. We are created equal, you know, and equal to, to, to reign, you know. That was very, very brave. Now, the very interesting thing, and this is really important, I think, for us, is that although she was very, very confident in her belief, she had to still overcome a personal character. Okay? So, she had to wrestle. 
She had to battle and she had to overcome her extreme shyness and timidity. So interestingly, we read accounts that Catherine, although she, she, she had all these beliefs, she, her husband had to push her to lead some woman group. So after the birth of her second child, she was around, you know, 29, she started to lead women's group, you know, and her husband was really encouraging, Catherine, you need to do a little bit more. God is really calling you. And it's only after the, the birth of the fourth child, uh, age 31, in 1860, that one day, absolutely burdened by the Holy Spirit, Catherine spoke in front of a whole congregation. Okay? And her husband had encouraged her for, for, for years. And she said, this is the account, she said, at that moment, I wrestled between the voice of the Holy Spirit who was telling me, Catherine, if only you would speak in my name, people will be changed. She wrestled between that and the voice of the enemy was telling her, you are just a fool and you have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. And she wrestled and then she, she said, it was a question of obedience. At the end, I had to give up and obey to Jesus. So she, she there's this account I love, she, she just stood up and she said, I've got something to say. <laughs> and her husband replied, oh, my dear wife wishes to speak. <laughs> and this is recorded at the first time ever Catherine opened my mouth in front of everyone. She was age 31 by, by then. And it said she spoke really powerfully on how to be filled uh, by the Spirit from Ephesians 5. And she really became quite a popular and anointed speaker uh, from now on. So she had to really wrestle that one out. Okay, So you could see from what I've just said, she had to overcome physical uh, limitation, not being really well, but as well some quite character, character traits like shyness and extreme timidity. On paper, we wouldn't say that Catherine looked like a leader or a hero, you know, but something happened in her life, she just obeyed and she by faith became one. So overall, how did Catherine become the mother of the Salvation Army? This is what I found. She actually pursued God relentlessly, relentlessly. From a young age, I mean, there was even an account uh, when she's around 16. You know, um, at that time, people were not sure they were saved by faith. They were not sure that God had saved them. Mm-hmm. So they were battling, okay, you know, how can I know God really saved me? And it said that there's an account of Catherine praying for days, wrestling with God for days until the Holy Spirit turned up and gave us, you know, the assurance of the Holy Spirit. So right there in her room, she got this conviction that she was saved and God loved her. You know, it was just an amazing account. Now, another account was really a huge factor. And here it was a very interesting one. Age 29, so it was in 1858, she was on her way to church and she went through an estate and she saw many, 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 many houses with many, many, many windows. And people were looking at their windows. And suddenly God started to speak to her and say, how about the people in their houses right now? 
These people behind the windows, those who are poor, those who are sick, those who are too drunk to make it to church. What are we going to do about them? And, you know, God has started to really put compassion on her heart about that to the point that she felt she had to start doing something about it. So Catherine very timidly started to knock on people's door. You know, daily she would have a round and start to knock on people's door and say, how, how are you? God loves you. What can we do for you? Uh, she did that really simply. And um, interestingly, so at, the, at that moment, um, they had only a tiny, tiny church of, of 39 members. Uh, but their chapel suddenly got the name of, oh, this is the converting shop. Because they went from 39 people to 300 people in a space of, of in a very short time of space. As you know, they were really going and testifying to people and loving people, really. And this experience was a bit, a bit like the embryonic, you know, uh, thing that would become the, 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 salvation, the salvation army. What I find really interesting uh, is that it's by obedience to a word of God Amen. that she started to faithfully work day by day. She did not wait for a trumpet sound or an angelic voice. No, God spoke to her, she was moved, she obeyed. That simple. That simple. She put her faith into action. Day by day. It was like a, a, a process. It was a decision process by which she said, day by day, I am going to start to do this with God. Okay? Right. Now, another thing as well is... For all their lives, both William and Catherine never, never ceased to believe God. Never ceased to believe God. Although they had to relocate many times, lead different ministries, those who were not very successful, not very impressive, they still believed in God. They carried on. They carried on. Actually, very interestingly speaking, it's only when Catherine was 36, in 1865, that eventually uh, William and Catherine relocated in the, um, in the east end of London and really it was the birthing of their own ministry as we know it now. Okay? So before that, they, they've done quite a lot. It's not been super brilliant, but then God opened a door and they go to the east end and they start to preach to the poor. So William was really the evangelist and he was preaching to the poor. Catherine actually was uh, preaching as well to people who were more wealthy in order to fundraise so they could do this work with the poor. And Catherine created the soup kitchen. So they, they both saw um, social action and gospel going, you know, hands by hands. And they were inspired to minister amongst the poor. Five years later... Their mission had 8,000 members, five years later. And, you know, it was really uh, often thought that Catherine was really the manager of the Salvation of Army. She's the one who organized things, and she also, also the one who uh, discipled the people. So her husband was bringing salvation, you know, he was preaching the gospel, and she was the one who was starting to think, okay, 
How can we keep all these people who are saved free? How can we bring them and disciple them in the kingdom? Okay, and as you know, the Salvation Army did and still do incredible things. They preach the gospel, uh, they answer many needs, things like even like rehabilitating a prostitute, uh, they help people find employment, they help people uh, to find uh, their lost one, really different thing that we wouldn't even think today. They even created a poor man's bank, you know. So there was quite a lot of energy uh, put in, in there by the grace of God. Now, uh, this, this uh, is really interesting. At her funeral, William gave an amazing speech about his wife. And actually, it's four pages long. <laughs> so it's quite, quite impressive. You could get read it for, for, for yourself. Very impressive. He went on and on about how Catherine was an amazing servant amazing counsellor, a friend, a mother, a wife, that she had an extreme capacity for suffering for God because she was deeply in love with Jesus. And he concluded that all her qualities could be summarized in three. And this is really what spoke me to me the most as I was preparing this. He said, and it was quite interesting, he said, Catherine was good. So at first I was like, oh, okay. She was good. And he had, she was good because she had been saved through the word of Jesus Christ. And you could see this confidence. This confidence on her own identity because Jesus was in her. She didn't spend a life thinking, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, I was a sinner. I'm saved by grace. Now I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. I'm a saint. She knew her identity. She was good. Okay. Then the, the second thing was really interesting um, uh, that William said about his wife. He said, she was love. Amen. She was full of compassion. Compassion for animals. Compassion for the poor. Compassion for the one who suffered and she longed to help her. And I think, for me, it speaks, it speaks of the confidence that we can have of Jesus through us. Amen. That, you know, she had received a mission and she had the grace to accomplish it because of Jesus through her. So she was good. She had the confidence of who she was in Christ. But as well, she was loved because of Jesus, what Jesus could do through her. Amen. Okay, and the grace and the, you know, inability. You know, it's not that God spoke to her and she went to work and, and she, you know, no, she loved God. She was inspired to do it. She was enabled by grace to do it. Yeah, it was really interesting. And then the last thing that uh, William said about his wife, he, he said, she was a warrior she liked a fight I love that she wouldn't say come on people go she would say let me go let me go she would be put her own lives on the line to serve God what a hero of faith for me really she epitomizes faith into actions you know I hear from God I know who I am I know who he is. 
is telling me to do something, I am going to do it. I'm going to do it. And she went for it. Amazing. So I just want to finish by a couple of things. I hope it inspired you. Amen. It inspired me. Amen. Thank you. Right. What are the dreams that God has put in your hearts? Sometimes, even as a child, like it's really interesting in, in Catherine's life, right as a child, you know, she was actually really, 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 really inspired to help people. I actually forgot a little account, it was really amazing, so I'm going to tell it, tell it now. Yeah, when she was nine, she saw a, a, a drunk person who was dragged by a policeman through the town square. And everybody was mocking that man, you know, he was literally in the gutter. And as a child, age nine, she basically, she was shy, so she really quietly crossed the, the square and took this man by the hand and apparently gently, gently led, led, led him to the local house. And then everybody went quiet. The policeman had no trouble. She just came. She raised that man. She said, come on, let's go. And she was nine. And the compassion she had for people was absolutely, absolutely astounding. But it might be that right when you were young, God has given you passion like that. Passion for people in different areas. It doesn't have to be for the poor. It could be something else that God has put on your heart. That you, you know, like some illnesses make you really angry and you want to see them go. Yeah. That's from God. You know, so what are the promises that God gave you? What are the things that He's spoken to you? Look at your own life and say, oh, I always have an interest in, in that. I always have been feeling God is putting a bold burden in my life. Okay? And then, what are we doing? To pursue that relentlessly. Pursuing God in it, but pursuing that thing relentlessly. You see, I think there's a lot of it is about, um, a lot of it is about really aligning ourselves with what God believes Amen. about us. Yeah? But another thing as well, uh, and I think it's for all of us, is to look as well at our lifestyles and see. Where is it that I can make room in order to pursue that thing? Where is it that I can be more organized or take a step in order to pursue that thing God is talking to me about? And partner with Him, trusting that He's going to come with you because He's in you. Trusting that He's going to speak to you. Trusting that He's going to provide for you. Yeah? Now, Maybe some of you, you think that, oh, I haven't really received a specific word. I'm not quite sure what is my life destiny. You know, fair enough. But then start to do the things in front of you. Amen. Don't wait for trumpet and angel sound. Do the things that God Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said we should do. That we're going to love our neighbor. Amen. That, you know, we're going we're gonna to be generous. That we're going to love all people. We're going to care for all people. We're going to love each other. We're going to support each other. Do the things that are in front of you. Yeah? Believing that Jesus will show you. He will show you 
What is your life's mission? Amen. 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 Amen.